This show may contain explicit language and or spoilers. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast. I'm Tom Duncan. And I'm Dana Duncan. Tonight we welcome you back for Season 2 of the show with a quick look back at Season 1 as well as a quick preview for the things we have planned for Season 2. So, Dad, welcome back. Are you rested up and ready to go for Season 2? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yes, I am. Oh, come on. You can give me a little bit better than that. You sound like a weird, uh, like, porky... And now you're going to give me the... Um, end of Doctor Strange love here. Ah! Okay, thank you, Slim Pickens. Uh, all right, so we're just going to take a quick look back on the list. And uh, currently we got through 50 different movies. Technically we have 52-ish episodes up and a small trailer for an episode on there uh, on the giant catalog of stuff that we've done. And frankly, that's a lot for a first season. Uh, I don't think there are many shows that have 50 episodes to their first season. But what do you remember or what do you uh, think the lowest movie on the list is so far? lowest movie on the list? Yes. The Help. Nope, that's number 49. Okay. Then I'm not sure what... 50. So this is one that we recorded and we filled in while you were on vacation one week. Um, a movie that was your favorite growing up. It's also our shortest recorded episode. I think it was only uh, it was less than 29 minutes total. The greatest show on earth. Oh yes. Well, so, it wasn't my favorite movie growing up. It was my favorite movie when I was six. Said, okay, but. You said specifically, that was your quote. I'm not even paraphrasing. Well, yeah, when I was six, because, you know. Is that not part of growing up? Were you not growing at age six? You just stopped growing at age five and then continued when you hit age seven? Well, have you seen me? Almost. (laughs) Okay. Um, At least growing upward. All right, so The Help was number 49. Uh, To round out the uh, bottom 10, we had Zodiac at number 48. Number 47, Cool Hand Luke. Number 46, Mr. Roberts. Number 45, Inglorious Bastards. Number 44, Full Metal Jacket. Number 43, In the Heat of the Night. Number 42, Rocky. And number 41, The Notebook. Okay. Now, I think a lot of people would be surprised to see The Notebook ahead of uh, movies like In the Heat of the Night and Full Metal Jacket. But think if I were to have the biggest surprise, given how big Fincher is recently, that Zodiac is so far down the list for me. I thought about that, too, and uh, I don't know. I guess maybe Zodiac isn't the best Fincher film. I think there are a lot of people that think that might be his best. I know there are a lot of people that love Fight Club. Um, there are a lot of people that love Seven. I personally think The Social Network is his best film. I think Mank, I, I know we're not going to review that at least for a, quite a while on this show, but is kind of in that territory, at least right now, from what I can remember of it. I saw it like a month ago, but 
I don't know. I mean, Zodiac ha- occupies a weird place for a lot of people. It y- you either really love it or you're like, eh, it was okay. Well, I think that's our problem is is we're in the okay category because I thought Seven was better and I also thought the Social Network was better. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. You and I both have problems with. Uh, Fight Club, which I'm sure at some point we're going to get to, but we did cover quite a bit of uh, Fincher's work so far uh, in doing the Social Network and Zodiac. Social Network is obviously a little bit higher on this list. Any other big surprises in the bottom ten? Not really, I guess. I mean, unfortunately, when you're reviewing the best movies, there's going to be some differentiation between number one and number 50, um, even though number 50 would still probably rank ahead of tens of thousands of other films. Oh, I'm certain. I mean, it has to at least be ahead of Ishtar. Hey. Yes, you, I the lone should, fan of Ishtar. I think we should review Ishtar. What, for April Fool's? <laughs> I didn't mind Ishtar. I thought it, I thought the critics were overly harsh. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, that's been the case. Uh, All right, so let's move to our next 10. So number 40 was Big. Number 39, Silver Linings Playbook. Number 38, Sleepless in Seattle. Number 37, My Fair Lady. Number 36, The Philadelphia Story. Number 35, The Dirty Dozen. Number 34, North by Northwest. Number 33, Slumdog Millionaire. Number 32, Bull Durham. Number 31, Pillow Talk. What is your biggest surprise out of that 10? I would have thought North by Northwest would have been a little higher than it was. Maybe that's my own personal feelings because or being a Hitchcock fan. Um, You also have to remember, that was our second episode. So if there's a nominee for Revisit at some point, I think some of those early ones that we did where the categories were different and we we hadn't evolved all of our thinking, I think some of those early ones would be easy options for that. Yeah, I, I think that would be a good one to revisit because of that very, very uh, point, which does remind me that uh, James Mason is a preliminary uh, actor on my list for next week, so... Interesting. All right. Uh, We have not previewed that yet. I was going to get to that by the end. But uh, for me, this was kind of that weird territory that we started to talk about at the back end of last season where we got kind of these romantic comedy types. Um, We got our first musical kind of smack dab in the middle of those. But I think you could comfortably um, talk about Pillow Talk or the Philadelphia Story, Sleepless in Seattle, Silver Linings Playbooks as more or less romantic comedies of a sort. So all of them take on a different flair and have completely different uh, backgrounds or contexts. But ultimately, I think at their root, they are um, based in that or that archetype. The romantic comedy, I mean, there's some that are cookie cutter and, you know, we can rattle off a ton of those that are just, you know, they're not much different. Kind of like Hallmark Christmas movies. 
insert name or a type of character, insert profession, insert uh, situation, and, you know, it's the same pattern. Each of these, though, were unique because there's some aspect of it that was a little different. With silver linings, you're talking about mental health. Um, Big, you're talking about lost childhood and lost innocence. Um, You know, Philadelphia Story was the classic, uh, you know, kind of poking fun at the uh, high end of society. Yeah, they they do all have different themes despite using the narrative archetype. I guess that was what I was trying to say before. So uh, I guess for me, the other ones that I I think people would start to disagree a bit with our list where we get some of the more notable classic ones that show up on these like uh, critics lists in higher places and we have some of these more popcorn films ahead of them i think that's where we really have differed and it's part of the reason that i threw in categories like classicness and rewatchability we wanted a different way to think about all of these movies now i should remind the audience that to follow along or if you want to see the entire list i have it linked in the show notes there uh there is a, a quick link so If you're on mobile, just click open the episode title and it should be uh, embedded there. Um, If you're on uh, uh, desktop or your laptop, whatever, uh, it should also be in there. Just click on the episode title and uh, the link should pop up and you can follow along with our top 50 as it currently appears. But uh, let's get into the next uh, 10 that we have on the list. And I think there are some big ones in here that uh, we would definitely say probably belong right around in this list uh, if it were a normal list. So number 30, Roman Holiday. Number 29, Rio Bravo. Number 28, Iron Man. Number 27, Home Alone. Number 26, The Bridge on the River Kwai. I think that should be over the River Kwai, but I always get that wrong or confused. Number 25, Goodfellas, which I think might be one of our most controversial de- scoring decisions, given how uh, beloved that film is by some people. But number 24, The Social Network. Number 23, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number 22, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Number 21, The Sting. Any of these greatly surprise you? Well, I mean, The Sting is a personal favorite of mine, but I guess I'm kind of surprised that it finished as high as it did. I think part of that is because it has really stood the test of time. It still is relevant. I mean, if the film were released today, it would have the same you know, buzz as it would have back in 1974. So I don't know about that. I... I don't have any problems with what it was, but it's really hard to sell something so original like this as far as a story and get the type of buzz that it had in its time. I think it is a moment of its time, partly because there was buzz around it, but the for it to be one of the top movies of that year and then win the Oscar for Best Picture is not something we see anymore. 
the blockbuster films or the ones that catch fire just really don't happen. The mid-level budgets, the even something like um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which I'm sure at some point we're going to do and we'll invite one of our returning guests on, I'm sure, uh, one of the ladies uh, to help us do that one because I don't think two um, middle-aged white guys have the same appeal to that movie as uh, the general uh, female audience does. But regardless... You know, that one was kind of like this uh, pop culture hit that kind of had this upswing. It was a little known film. And then all of a sudden, everybody by word of mouth, oh, you have to go see this. You have to go see this. You have to go see this. And it, it kind of exploded. We just don't get that from movies right now. Now, part of that is in the pandemic. So I don't know what it's going to be after the pandemic times as far as what movie going is going to be. But I think we've moved into a new blockbuster age. And we talked about that a lot on our uh Iron Man episode, which also is inside this top 10 or not top 10, but this 10 of our list. Okay. Let me just throw two names out that if you were to get these two who are kind of intertwined right now because of a uh, comedic feud to play the parts, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Jackman playing the Newman character, Ryan Reynolds playing the, um, right it's one character. of the it's one of the few exceptions but here's the thing and i struggle to think of what uh the contemporary option would be i i agree with you to a certain extent but you also have to note that both of these guys got their star power and character based on other blockbusters and i still don't think it would have the same kind of buzz other than the fact that they exist in a social media feud <laughs> which is funny, and um, I have to admit that I enjoy their back and forth and their repartee, but uh, there's a community that exists online that doesn't exist by just general community word of mouth. And I, I think it's just a different territory. And I don't think a movie that um, is about, gosh, what would you even say, 1920s, 1930s? Um, uh, neighborhood Chicago prohibition times would necessarily resonate with the American audience at large. See, you're you're living in the paradigm of nineteen or of twenty nineteen. Okay, I think that's, that because of the because of the streaming services that are now available and that's content being driven, you're going to see a lot of these mid level movies being made because. They don't need to worry about box office draw. They can put them on streaming and make a nice profit off of them that way. And so I think you're going to find where there's going to be companies that are going to rise up, uh, production uh, companies that are going to produce a whole series of these mid-level films that are more edgy, that are a little more uh, adult, you know, I'm not criticizing the the comic book, but for my age, most m- people in their 50s, you know, they're not going to flock to uh, the comic book movies as much. You're going to want to see things with a little more meat. So you're going to be looking for things that are where there's novels um, or stories that are more interesting. I mean, you're seeing that with Hillbilly Elegy right now. Oh, I mean, that I, I is a it's dangerous one to, yeah, that, not deadpanned, crucified. Well, 
But again, that's a situation where if that was just out in the theaters, I could see where there would be some potential problems with that movie. But people are watching it on Netflix. And so I think that that's going to be what's encouraging people to do that because you uh, don't have the risk of making these mid-levels. And they can be done, you know, a mid-level film can be made or can be done in a relatively short time frame, which means that uh, it doesn't clog up your schedule. So you could possibly pull in some stars who will do these films. And uh, with the idea that they can work for 12 weeks and they're done, they can move on to another project. One, a lot of these novels, um, as we saw already with The Queen's Gambit and and some other things, have been made more into miniseries or TV shows, anthology series, because I think that's where a lot of this property is going toward and where a lot of attention is going, because you can really develop a character over a longer period of time in an eight-episode TV series than you can necessarily in a standalone movie. And so I think the writing is gravitating toward that. But here's the other thing, and I I doubt that you were online for a lot of this today, but one of the biggest articles making the trending topics, at least on my Twitter and the places I go, um, you know, LinkedIn and that sort of thing, has been uh, the quota or hashtag churn. And that's the people that basically uh, get their Netflix membership Buy or watch all the stuff that they want on Netflix for the month, then cancel their subscription, then go to Hulu and cycle through stuff so that they're watching all of their shows. And so they only do like one a month. And so basically the churn or whatever it is to try and keep people engaged and continuing to buy into your services is a very real thing that Hollywood's having to deal with right now and is very concerned about. You know, how do you continue to maintain people's attention? Because I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before, but the the notion that we're in an attention economy, literally your attention span is being monetized in front of us, whether you know it or not. And the ability to draw you in and watch this stuff, you're you're right. I think I could see a movie like The Sting being made by a Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds project. And frankly, you'll probably see something like that on Netflix this year. But is it going to have the staying power? You know, there are very few things that are going to be able to uh, engage a full cultural conversation for a long period of time. We gravitate off of stuff so quickly. And I, I fear that we're getting into this range where we almost need to have the Oscars every like three months as opposed to every year because we're just going to forget stuff or we're going to have picked everything apart. And so the discussion will have moved on. And that's no way to have an actual conversation about the quality of something, particularly because you don't have the same benefit. I mean, you've mentioned it before. I've mentioned it before, but we have the five-year hold on every movie because we don't have all of the benefit of classicness yet or how a movie has aged. I mean, even The Help being number 49 on the list, that was a movie that was very heralded not even 10 years ago, and all of a sudden it's being deadpanned. So I just... I'm very concerned about where a lot of this is going because it's just moving so quickly from even a month to month basis, let alone uh, a year to year basis. And I, I don't know. I, I could definitely see your point. I just think there are a lot of strange areas that this is still heading. 
That being said, this is a classic movie program, so we're going to turn the page a little bit. As far as I'm concerned, having movies like Home Alone and Iron Man squarely within the middle of the list, um, just below the bridge over the River Kwai, is a little odd, but I also appreciate that about our list. Uh, I will say, and I will remind everybody, that I think the most controversial out of this 10 is Goodfellas. That may be another one for potential revisit, but uh, if uh, you think, and and please, if you have one on this list that you think we're dead wrong or you would like us to revisit here during the course of the year, please email us at greatestalltimemoviepodcast at gmail.com or uh, visit the site. I'm going to be revamping that here pretty soon. Announcement here toward the end of the show. So how do you, or let's put it this way. Do you think there are any other major controversies in this 10? No. You you commented about why people would, um, you know, we've got some of the popcorn films above some of those with more substance. It's a difference of how we're looking at it. We're not critics. We're not professional critics. We're movie lovers. And so what we're doing is, is assessing these as movie lovers. So, how we go about it is a little different. You know, there's art that's considered, um, you know, great art, and there's art that you consider because you love it, and they don't always match. And I think that's what this is about, is we're trying to grade movies that are both entertaining as well as artistic, uh, that are all well done, and they're, the grading systems reflect different components of what we find interesting about the various films so part of the reason that this show is called the greatest movie of all time is specifically because uh we both of us are huge sports fans and there are two very big sports discussions going on uh pretty much on a uh, daily basis on espn and several other outlets as far as who the greatest quarterback is of all time and who the greatest basketball player is of all time. And these seem to be easy topics to engage uh, conversation. Now, this is where I'm going to differ from that. This show is not just for the sake of banter and debate and all of the other things. It's to provide nuance because I see those shows as a desecration of the greatest of anything conversation. Because it's just hot take after hot take. And this entire show is created to discuss nuance and give new categories or give new meaning, such as the categories of classicness or rewatchability. And I can't say that we're considering everything or every category that should have been made, but this is an ongoing evolutionary process of this list because we're in the pursuit of finding what greatness is. So, again, we're appreciative for any feedback that you may have, but that's where we went with the show and why we're doing this. So let's move on to the next 10, and we're getting into the top 20 here. So number 20, E.T., number 19, Airplane, number 18, Goldfinger, number 17, American Graffiti, uh, which is tied with Goldfinger. So I, I should take this opportunity to say that we have several ties through the course of this list, especially as we went up the list 
uh, specifically. So at some point, I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a specific episode to do a dividing line or decide between the two, and we're going to do a very nitty-gritty nuanced like introduce a new category or something just to be able to separate these two and figure out which one is ahead of the other, you know, like a 0.5 type of thing or a 0.05 since we do already have the first decimal point there. But uh, we won't get into the full math of all of this for you because, frankly, that's just not interesting podcasting. So uh, which one was I at? Number 17 was American Graffiti. So uh, that is tied with Goldfinger. That will have to be separated out as we go along. Number 16 was Taxi Driver. Number 15, Apocalypse Now. Number 14, Fargo. Number 13, Some Like It Hot, which for a while was near the top of our list, if not the top, uh, when we first did it. Number 12, Alien, tied with Some Like It Hot. So there will need to be an episode just to divide those two out. And... um, how many shows can say that they bring you a tiebreaker between Alien and Some Like It Hot? Uh, <laughs> yes. We also are going to need a tiebreaker between number 11, Young Frankenstein, and number 10, Apollo 13. Also two drastically different films. And finally, we have another tiebreaker between number 9, Silence of the Lambs, and number 8, Jaws. Both within the popular... Um, attention span at the current moment uh, as people rediscover Jaws or the new show, uh, what is it, Clarice, that's coming out on CBS? Uh, even so, uh, number si- or excuse me, we've gotten into the top 10, so I should stop there. All right, so I went further into the top 10 already, but I'm going to stop there before we get into the top seven. I know that's not a a uh, great system of keeping the numbers up on the list. But uh, so out of these, basically E.T. to Jaws, uh, any of these that really surprise you or that you think are controversial? I think a lot of critics or people who are more serious about films are going to have a harder time putting things like Young Frankenstein that high on the list. I would tend to agree. I think that one's probably the one that sticks out the most. I don't think there are enough that probably give Apollo 13 the credit that I think it deserves. Uh, I know that it really depends on uh, the type of critic as to whether or not Alien keeps it up. But I think these are a lot of classic good films. Some of them are a little bit higher than others. I don't think that there'd be a ton of people to put... Uh, Fargo or Alien ahead of Apocalypse Now or Taxi Driver, but I, I really don't think that a lot of the controversy is going to come in with that part of the list. If I were to place another controversial one, I think Airplane does get a little bit of its due from a comedy standpoint, but I think Goldfinger might be one of the more controversial ones in this area of the list. And I just simply think that when it comes to franchise films, other than the original Star Wars because of how it came out and the buzz that surrounded it and everything else that came with the original release, I don't think that other franchise films get the same notoriety or acceptance into um, what we would call classic or great cinema. And I, I think that's, again, a area where we differ to give a little bit of a further nuance to this conversation. I think a lot of people really um, have a tendency to, to uh, be dismissive of certain films because they're not artistic, they're fun films or things. And part of my thought on this is, is 
I don't care if it's a fun film or if it's meant to be artistic. It's a question of whether it was a quality film that was done well and fits within our categories. And so I don't have a problem with like Goldfinger being on that the list that high. Unfortunately, other people might, but I mean, this is just the way we're going. I mean, I'm looking at this as being not just our quest for the greatest movie. I'm hoping our fans uh, become aware of films that they didn't know about, that they're available through streaming, that they watch some of these films. The uh, A given Friday night and you're uh, sitting home and you don't know what to put on in, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and you're not sure you want to, you know, you're not going to go out. So what do you do? Well, you know, this was a film that they mentioned. I'll give it a try. So we're going to have those on the list. I have no problem with where we are on any of these films, but again, it's not a matter of the artistic quality as much as it is just the quality of the film. Again, I think there are different paths to greatness. Some of these are highly rewatchable films. Some of these are very classic films. Some of these are uh, greatly impactful films. Uh, Some of them just have great legacy. And I think there are many ways to do it. Naturally, the higher up the list you get, you've uh, topped out in a lot of these categories. But I think there are a lot of different factors into how each of these goes, and that's why... You know, we get some of these ones that we wouldn't have necessarily expected, but ultimately I think that the list kind of speaks for itself because if you put it through the rubric, again, uh, our patented Stanley rubric, that I think a lot of people would come to a lot of the same conclusions. So you ready for the top seven since uh, I, I burged on the top ten already? The top seven. Yeah, I know. It's a... It's, Lucky number seven? Yeah, maybe we should just keep doing this and just have the top seven because it's just out of the norm. So, well, um, boy, I can't think of a lot of great sevens in in sports other than like Mantle and Elway. But eh, anyway, we'll we'll keep going. So number seven, we had Groundhog Day. Number six, Pulp Fiction. Number five, Casablanca, the last movie that we covered for season one. Number four, The Best Years of Our Lives. Number three, Back to the Future, which I know is on your revisit list. Uh, Number two, High Noon. And number one, All the President's Men. So out of these, what do you think is your biggest surprise? That Casablanca finished as low as it did. I would say so too, but also that... I I know that these movies are usually among the top ranked. I don't think I've ever seen anybody put High Noon and All the President's Men in a top ten. Well, it's we we put them in the top ten out of the top fifty. So we'll see where they finish. That's fair. That's when we go through two, maybe even three seasons. Yeah, and I I think that there is potential for other ones to leapfrog or be graded differently. And again, with the potential of revisits and the rest of this, I mean, this could be a very, very long project. But 
uh, strap yourselves in. It's going to be a bumpy night. So uh, with that, I, I think the biggest controversy for me, other than the Casablanca placing is, and, and I guess this is a, a movie that not enough people, in my opinion, know about. And I'm glad that it's squarely inside the top 10. I was thankful for a while that it was inside our top five. Uh, but Groundhog Day, I think, is a much better film than people give it credit for and has so much more application. And it's one of the things that I'm most thankful about doing this list. I, I would agree. I mean, I think that uh, Groundhog Day is is deserves to be in that list. It's so well done. And it has so much poignancy beyond it just being a comedy. But, you know, there's a film, you know, that uh, a lot of people have never even heard of, um, The Best Years of Our Lives, which is in that top list. You know, it's such a well-done movie. It's uh, such great performances by the uh, people in it who are not, huge stars at the time i mean frederick marsh was about the most well known at the time but even he wasn't a huge matinee idol and um it just it just really has poignancy that i think is lost in some films and i uh i think that deserves to be in there and if if we've done nothing else this first season but to get people to watch that film I think we've done a very good job. Well, frankly, to introduce them to any of these, you know, from the top 25 or so, you know, if we've engaged you or entertained you in, even if you've seen these movies, if it made you think in a different way about one of these movies and where you would place it on your own list, again, you can do your own scoring at home and send it in to us. We'd be more than happy to, you know, accept that or uh, give you credit for it on air. But I just, um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited about where the list is now. I think it's going to change a lot over time. And I don't think we're set on this being like the final scores for necessarily any of these. But I think that it's a pretty fair scoring on the best years of our lives on High Noon. Um, uh, even to a certain extent on Casablanca. But uh, I think the one that we kind of decided on when we did it a few weeks back, or I guess it's almost, gosh, two and a half months ago, but all the president's men, I think you and I need to bring on somebody who's not such a political junkie or, <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, historically inclined uh, to try and like offset a little bit of us. And I think it's good that, uh, so I'm going to get here into the season or two previews of some of the things that we have coming up for everybody. But one of them is, is just uh, having more guests on the show to kind of break up your, yours and my meld or mind meld uh, to borrow a Star Trek term uh, that we had a lot of similar scores at different times during uh, some of the, the visits on these first season films. And I think that's not always the best thing when you want to go for nuance. Okay, I, I I understand, and I think to some extent our relationship is such that our uh, opinions don't differ substantially, so maybe adding a few more opinions from time to time can only make the list a little more accurate. 
Well, I think how many times did we not reference during the course of season one that, well, how many people have actually seen this movie? And we should go up and down, you know, at uh, a sports arena or, you know, outside the parking lot at Lambeau Field to gauge how many people that are uh, granted. I don't think Lambeau Field on game day is the best uh, time to take a survey of anybody (laughs) that um, you're trying to engage about art, because at that point, they're probably half in the bag, either that or drunk on cheese. But still, um, (laughs) it's something to highlight that you do need a well-rounded perspective. I think that the best way to do this is to include more people, more voices, more scores to try and drive at this. And I think that's the only way to properly have this done. I don't think everybody uh, has the same level of perspective that you and I do. Like, I think if you got a a good panel of a hundred different movie lovers, quote unquote, experts, critics, Um, but basically people who have actually seen these films and have some share of an opinion and then started giving them the same list that we're going to do. And again, my master list is quite long. I think I had it up to 432 when we started the show and I've added to it since then. So we've got plenty of material to keep us busy for a long time. But, uh, you know, if you graded out all of those films over time, I I wonder what the list would be. And that's ultimately the point of the show. So season two preview. So I've told you that we have some new and interesting things coming up. So uh, thank you to uh, our um, great people over at Fiverr um, that uh, I hired or contracted to help us do the new logo. But you might have seen it. We have a new logo up for season two. Uh, We also are uh, redeveloping the website. So I've pointed you many times to all of my blog entries. There are individualized show notes that have a page for each uh, different episode that we've done, or at least every movie that we've done so far, including all of our nominations, all of the scores, all of our remaining questions so that you can follow along at home. Honestly, you could basically pull it up on your laptop while you're listening and um, follow through with all of our discussion stuff. Maybe that'll um, basically give away the spoilers ahead of time of what our opinions are, but it's there for you, however you want to use it, uh, in addition to having the master list, which, again, I think is the most important part of this is having that master list. But uh, that is going to be coming up soon as uh, we continue to develop that. We're going to have one section for that as well as the other show and the other shows that may or may not be in development. I have constant ideas for new shows, uh, depending on whether I can get people to do it and whether I have time to do all of the things that I have ideas for. But uh, we also do, for the show, have a new Patreon account. Uh, I have not opened it up to the merch store yet, but that also may be coming. I am not going to generally announce the Patreon account because... Frankly, it still feels weird to me that I could ever ask anybody for money for doing something that we started as a fun hobby project. Um, (laughs) Once I get over that particular aspect, uh, we may open that up and you may be able to get something with our faces on it, which is going to be even weirder for me. But uh, yeah, so uh, additionally, next week we have our top 10 favorite character actor performance lists. Uh, Coming up, that's going to be our new kickoff of season two. Uh, And then the next two movies we have on the list, 
12 Angry Men, and Whiplash. So those are coming up. I also am trying to schedule out a few for the next uh, several films after that, but we don't want to spoil your appetite a little bit for that. Other ways we're going to expand on the show this season, uh, we're going to open up the doors to a lot of different things. Animation is one that uh, I've been wanting to explore for a while. I think then, uh, especially since the evolution of Pixar uh, the, and DreamWorks, that animation has really opened up as a uh, medium uh, for movies. And there are a lot of well-done animation movies during that period. There are some before that, obviously. Uh, that I can think of, but mostly by Disney before that. But when we got to the Pixar and DreamWorks days and have expanded even past them, uh, I think there's a lot uh, in that potential realm to explore. We're also going to be opening up to uh, some other genres, including horror, and getting eventually to some foreign films that uh, I'd like to point you to. Dad, have you picked out which Kurosawa film that you want to do yet? Well, at least I'll be able to follow along easier the Seven Samurai. Okay. So uh, I guess uh, you'll have to find out which one he eventually picks. It sounds like he may have uh, gotten on his choice, but uh, that's uh, another potential avenue to explore. Uh, Finally, we are going to be having some new guests. I already have a couple of people lined up that uh, we hope are going to be exciting for you, as well as some returning favorites. Uh, We already have Rob Conlon from the Recruiting Hell podcast all lined up uh, to do our Aliens visit. Uh, So the second one in his recurring series of alien movies or sci-fi movies, uh, as he uh, is a super fan of the show. Thank you for uh, uh, listening, Rob. And uh, we also have a couple of others. Uh, potentially lined up, uh, as well as returning Duncan family members. Uh, I'm sure that will pop up as they uh, get more involved with the show. So uh, any of these, or out of any of these, what has you most excited, Pop? I'm looking forward to next week because I've been chomping at the bit for this for a while. Um, And the first two films are personal favorites of mine, so um, I'm I'm looking forward to those. Yep. So, uh, again, and I, I suppose I should share these up front, but uh, 12 Angry Men is currently available on YouTube. I think it's with ads, but, you know, it's still worth watching even with the ads. It's not a very long film. I think it's uh, maybe a little over an hour and a half. Uh, Whiplash is, is, I think, an hour and 32 minutes. Uh, that one is currently available both on Prime and, I want to say, on Stars. But uh, I think for most people, Prime is going to be the primary place that you can see it. It is currently streaming on there for free. That is um, probably, boy, I mean, I have a hard time differentiating between that one and La La Land is my favorite Damien Chazelle film. But uh, I'm looking forward to whenever we get his next film, which is currently either filming or on hold or whatever it is, because it got pushed back another year. So unfortunately, that's where we're at. But for our... Uh, returning people, thank you for being with us to this point. Uh, for any new listeners, uh, thank you for listening up to this point where I could even talk to you and uh, continuing this journey on with us. Um, we're very excited about being able to bring you a, a full season two. I don't know if it's going to be the same 50 episodes. We may take some more strategic breaks so I don't burn out, but we're definitely going to be bringing you some a lot of content this year, a lot of great movies, and and we are. Uh, just teeming with some level of anticipation. 
Well, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us and the microphones. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Next week, we will be doing our much-anticipated top 10 favorite character actor performances lists. So you won't want to miss out on that one. Please like, subscribe, review, or whatever on whatever platform you have so that you can join in on our fun. You can also email the show at greatestalltimemoviepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's greatestalltimemoviepodcast, one word, at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at gmote, G-M-O-A-T, podcast, all one word, at gmote podcast on Instagram. Or you can visit our blog, which is going to be converted here very soon into our new website as we take all of the show notes and build out the pages for that. Uh, but those are linked in the episode titles, and I will have a, a link to the master list so that you can follow along from earlier in the episode. The Greatest Movie of All Time is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our show is mixed, edited, and written by Thomas Duncan. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM. <laughs>